everyone. It's your host, Polly Siegel. And for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, certified addiction specialist, and master level trained mindfulness practitioner. I own a counseling practice in both Colorado and Illinois, and I specialize in trauma, OCD, and anxiety. If you live in either of those two states, feel free to reach out to me for a consultation and we can begin the therapeutic journey together. Now on to the good shit. Welcome to season three of Shit Talking Shrinks. Gosh, I'm so excited. I will be featuring experts in the healing space and we're discussing a variety of mental health topics, the human experience, and society at large while creating levity along the way. Get ready to laugh, learn a lot, and change your life for good. This episode is sponsored by Joyous. Okay, I have to tell you about this incredible company, Joyous. It's an at-home ketamine treatment that delivers ketamine to your door for $129 a month, which is absolutely unheard of because most ketamine treatment is hella expensive. And what ketamine does is it helps our prefrontal cortex work more optimally. And the prefrontal cortex helps with decision-making, problem-solving, emotional regulation. It's the part of the brain that gets us through hard shit. And so if you're someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression and you've tried antidepressants or you've tried mood stabilizers and they haven't helped, ketamine is absolutely the next step. And I have seen my clients thrive while using ketamine. Joyous makes it super easy to access this life-changing medicine. And you can start the process by visiting www.joyous.team. You guys, you got to get on it and try it. Trust me, you won't look back. Hello, everyone. How are you, Michelle? I'm going I'm to do an introduction, but how the fuck are you? I'm doing effing great, actually. It's so hot right now. I wish I wasn't this hot. I don't have central air. Yeah, so it's hot in this room. You don't have central air in New York City? It's almost impossible to find central air in New York City. Oh, man. I guess I'm privileged because I live in Chicago and we all have AC. I'm jealous. Should I just move then and change my business from Schizophrenic NYC to Schizophrenic Chicago? (laughs) Yeah, just move for the summertime. Snowbird. We have Michelle Hammer here. You are a schizophrenic activist and you spend your time passionately fighting the stigma. You also have a clothing line. You also have a podcast, a bipolar schizophrenic and podcast, and you do rad things. What did I miss? What else did I miss? I do all kinds of consulting and things like that, but I have Schizophrenic NYC, mental health clothing and lifestyle brand. You can find that at Schizophrenic NYC. What I do usually is I pop up on the streets of New York City and I sell the merch and I meet all kinds of people all day long. It's very interesting. There's never a day where I don't come home from popping up or I don't have at least three ridiculous stories. Because you never know what you're going to get in New York City. Like, you never know what you're going to get. I once got in a fight with a trucker. Like, I got in a fight with a trucker one time who wouldn't stop beeping at the light. And I'm just yelling, what are you beeping for? What are you beeping? The light's red. Why are you beeping at the light? And then he purposely was honking at me, moves over so he's closer to me, and just starts beeping and beeping and beeping. And I'm just yelling at him, what are you beeping at? What are you beeping at? And then he went through the red light. If that's not New York City, I don't know what city it is. Okay, so today we're talking about schizophrenia, which honestly, you know, as a mental health professional, I'm going to be real here. I don't specialize in schizophrenia. 
And as much as, you know, we go through all of our trainings and our skills and our expertise, it's a very narrow niche. There's a lot of preconceived notions about what someone who suffers from schizophrenia is like. Like we imagine like really dark, doomy, gloomy things when we think of schizophrenia. I think that's why the stigma is so intense and so fierce because we're not educated. And a lot of people have no idea what it means to one, have that experience and two, to live with the disorder and what that means to navigate it. So I'm hoping that this can be in some ways introductory for people that don't really understand or know or what it means, but also begin to dismantle the stigma around it. It's interesting that you bring that up because on like my TikTok, on my Instagram, which are both schizophrenic that I see, I share videos of me just like answering questions that people ask me about schizophrenia. And then I also share videos of me having like schizophrenia episodes on my couch. I just have like a, a security camera that just catches me with them. And I either get comments that are either like, you don't have schizophrenia. Schizophrenics don't act this way and you can't possibly have it. I work with people with schizophrenia. They don't act like you. Or I get, I don't have schizophrenia or it's like, um, you have schizophrenia and you can't possibly be doing this. I forgot what the other one was like, um, you're too crazy to do this and things like that. You're just too nuts. You're crazy. And then the other one is kind of like, my family member has this and thank you so much for sharing your time. So it's like, you have it, you don't have it. Or it's like, you know, you're just tracing cloud or whatever. I get crazy comments. But the whole thing is people can't understand that there's like a spectrum it's like when they see me, they're like, well, my family member doesn't act like you. How could you possibly have schizophrenia in the first place? Because there's such a stigma around it. Because people are like, you're schizophrenic. Are you like John Nash? And I'm like, well, I took pre-calc, but I can't do math like him. Or they're like, what are your special abilities? Because you have schizophrenia. And I'm like, nothing. Or they're like, oh, you're an artist. You're an artist because of your schizophrenia. And I'm like, no, no. So what that's really telling me is that people have such a distorted view of schizophrenia. Like they really have no fucking idea that it's a spectrum and that it comes in all different shapes, sizes and forms. Absolutely. Like people think like the reason like I share videos of me having schizophrenia episodes. I just put a security camera in my living room because people like I had friends and they were like, you know, every like half an hour or so you make like some really weird faces. You kind of like talk to yourself. And I was like, really? And then I had another like person saying that she goes, about every 45 minutes, you stand up, you walk over to the mirror, you have a conversation, and then you sit back down. I go, I do? So I set up this camera to just start filming myself. So I decided to start sharing those videos, and I get all different kinds of reactions, you know? A lot of them are like, how could you put this girl on, on the internet? I'll go, it's me. It's me. I'm not just her. I'm not exploiting some girl. What are you talking about? You know, people either call them fake or they're like, or, or they're like, you know, what is this? Is this real? Is it not real? Things like that. But the whole point is because I say, this is a schizophrenia episode. I am talking to myself on my couch. That's what I'm doing. Because when you hear a schizophrenia episode, if you just heard that blank term, what do you really think of? You're like somebody running around dangerously with a knife or they're naked or they're just running amok. That's a schizophrenia episode. No, 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 no. It's me sitting on my couch. One of my videos, I'm eating pasta as I talk to myself. Like, is that dangerous? Am I gonna, what am I going to do with my pasta? Like throw you pasta at you? A noodle's really going to hurt. And, and people do really think of it as that it's like dangerous and scary. And what I'm hearing is that it's not always that way. Not always. I mean, of course, you have to add, 
that sometimes it can be dangerous. Just like with anyone else in the whole world, you can get dangerous at some point. I mean, I watch a lot of Lifetime movies. Sometimes people just kill people. You know what I mean? Especially in Lifetime movies. In a Lifetime movie, people are always killing people to keep their secret. Like, that's a Lifetime movie. You know, you oh, I got to do this. But that person's getting in the way. I have to kill them. You know what I mean? Like, that's a Lifetime movie. Can we define what is schizophrenia for anyone who has no idea? Schizophrenia has three common symptoms, and they're called positive symptoms, negative symptoms, cognitive symptoms. And just because it's called positive doesn't mean it's a good thing. It means it's an add-on to your experience, like life experience, meaning like hallucinations and delusions. Then there's negative symptoms, which doesn't necessarily mean negative, but it's a takeaway from your personality. So it kind of means you're very quiet, you're withdrawn, you're kind of a loner, you don't really talk to anyone. And then there's the cognitive symptoms, which means it's more like your IQ, how intelligent you are, how you can understand directions, like just how you can talk to people and how you can just be yourself and things like that. So those are like the three main symptoms of schizophrenia. Everything is on a spectrum and it's how you just deal with it within your life and how it can be managed. And then does every schizophrenic person have to have all of those three dimensions? I would not say so. I don't think you have to off all three symptoms. But again, I'm not a doctor. I am just schizophrenic. Got it. <laughs> You're like, I just live with this fucking shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I never read the DSM. You know, I never read the DSM. Yeah. So, like, I think that's a good disclaimer, right? Like, you're not a doctor. You're not a mental health professional. This is something that you live in day in and day out. You know, you're really an advocate for the community. For you, do you have all three of those? What does your schizophrenia look like? Mostly what I have is delusions. I really, really suffer from delusions. Like, all of a sudden, it'll just pop in my head. Oh, my God. In the past, this person said that. And it happened. And then it combines with maybe another story and that go, oh, that happened too. And then I'll do this and that happened too. And all this happened. And I get a horrible belief that something big happened and I was horribly embarrassed. Everything bad happened. And I, I start freaking out because I think that this stuff happened and I'm embarrassed about myself. So sometimes to help this, I'll call a friend and I'll be like, hey, did this happen? They say no. But I'm like, but did this happen? They say no. I'm like, but did this happen? And they'll go, no, but did this happen? Yeah, that happened. So I take one thing that happened, from what I've learned, I take one thing that happened and I build an entire story around it. That's what I've noticed from when I've called friends about these delusions, because that's what I've learned to help is call friends about your delusions. They were the ones that are there, even though I know they're delusions for my friends. Sometimes I still believe they actually have it and my friends are wrong. Okay. So what's coming up for me as you describe this, Michelle, is that like, Obviously, the delusions are, are a more intense version, but all of us can feel paranoid. All of us can review in our minds, did that happen? Was I weird? Did that person feel blank? Did they say blank? Did they do blank? Like, I think it's such a normal experience just having being in this world and wanting to connect and feel, feel like we have community where we second guess ourselves and we become a little bit paranoid. I guess so. I would say the difference between my delusions is that it's like, they thought I was on drugs. They thought I was a drug addict, didn't they? They said I was a drug addict. And, and my friend goes, nobody said you were a drug addict. What are you talking about? I go, no, they thought I was a drug addict. Yeah. It's more like, and then like, sometimes like if I wasn't medicated, I'm very medicated now, but like in the past when I wasn't medicated, these delusions, which I didn't realize were delusions, would keep me in bed all day because I would believe that these were so extremely true that I couldn't show my face. 
So the disruption was intense to your life. And then I would say as of negative symptoms, that was more like when I was in high school and I wasn't talking, I wasn't doing a lot of homework. I always wonder like it was the thoughts I was hearing in my head, not really thoughts, but I guess I realize now that they were voices because I thought everybody had a voice in their head. That's why I didn't think anything was wrong with me for years, like in high school. I thought everyone had a voice in their head telling them how stupid they were, how dumb they were, how they shouldn't speak anymore because everything they say is so stupid. So I was quiet because I believed I should be quiet because everything I said was so stupid. So it's almost like my positive symptoms caused my negative symptoms. So me being so quiet was because I believed everything I said was so dumb. And I thought like, I don't want to do homework and I don't want to write essays because then my teachers will learn about me, figure out who I am. And then I don't want people to know who I am because then they'll get into my head. It was almost like a, almost in a sense of a thought broadcasting, but not really a thought broadcasting. But it was like, if they read an essay of mine, they'll know who I am. And I don't want them to know me because nobody can know who I really am. It comes up a lot around how do you decipher between the inner critique voice, right? The voice that says like, you suck and you should be ashamed and you're an embarrassment and all the negative things that our brain tells us versus an actual voice that's commanding you to do things or inviting you to believe things that aren't true and real. Do you have any insight into that? How do you decipher between an actual hallucinating voice versus the self-critique voice that beats us down? I think it's how mean it is and how if it's your kind of inner thought versus a thought that's more intrusive. Like I can like, you know, draw a picture and I'll be like, eh, that picture is ugly. But that's different between if that picture is the ugliest thing I've ever seen, don't draw ever again. I think that's the difference. And does it sound like your own voice or does it sound like a different voice? It was like a mean girl. I guess it would stem from my voice, but it turned into an evil, mean, horrible voice. I thought when I was younger, everyone had this voice because I really believed everybody hated me. I just believed everyone hated me. It was actually in ninth grade, my biology teacher made a joke and he was like, I'm not paranoid. Everyone just hates me. And I was like, wait a minute, paranoid? Because I was like, I do think everyone hates me. But he just said, paranoid. Does that mean I'm paranoid? No, everyone does hate me. I remember that sticking in my head because he was like, because he said exactly how I felt. But he was also able to acknowledge the paranoia of it, which creates a little bit of distance from it being a fact. It was just, he was just making a joke in class. And I was like, how does he, he just described exactly how I feel. But then I was like, no, no, everyone does hate me. He's just making a joke. He's not right. He doesn't know about my life. But that was the first time anyone brought up that. Like, I took health classes in high school. I never even heard anything like that again. The only story I learned about schizophrenia in health class, let me tell you. My teacher loved her to death. She told the story of her uncle who had schizophrenia. And she told the story that he used to be a bowler. And when he was bowling, he'd hear a voice that said, nice ass. So he had to stop bowling because he kept hearing that voice. That is what I learned about schizophrenia in high school. Which is not representative at all. Which taught nothing. Mostly what I learned in my health class was all about sex. Because that's what all the students wanted to learn about. This might be TMI for this, but like also she kept explaining that you should use condoms during oral sex. And all the boys would just fight with her about that. I mean, no one uses condoms during oral sex. Like, they just don't. 
They don't. But that was so much of a conversation. Why are you wasting our time? Like, why was she wasting time in class explaining to the boys they had to use condoms during oral sex? None of them are going to do that. She could tell them a million times. They're not going to do that. Why are you wasting our time? She goes, I took a poll and I'm very disappointed that a lot of you guys are not using protection during sex. Miss Anderson, that's because you said we had to use condoms during oral sex. That's why we're not using protection during sex, because you said that stupid claim. <laughs> and quite frankly, I've never given a blowjob with a condom on. I want to know anyway, if anyone has, please write in. <laughs> I want to see if anyone writes in if they've done that. This whole conversation has taken a turn. It's taken a turn. It's taken a turn because I, Monica Lewinsky didn't do that. And we know that for sure because that blue dress. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad she didn't use a condom. Monica, you did something right. You're a hero to us all. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I want to take a quick pause to talk about our sponsor, a company called BetterHelp. It's an online therapy platform where all the therapists are licensed and accredited professionals. It's affordable. You pay a low flat fee for therapy with your therapist, and it's convenient. Do it at your own time and at your own pace, and you can communicate with your therapist as much as you want and whenever you feel is needed. And more importantly, it's effective. Thousands of people have benefited from therapy using BetterHelp, and we're really grateful to offer all of our listeners 10% off your first month. So if you're interested in receiving therapy ASAP, click the link in our show notes and you can get started and you get to save money. You can have visual hallucinations. You can have tactile hallucinations, right? Where you're feeling things on your skin. You can have delusions and paranoia. What else? Keep walking us through sort of what you have noticed as someone who advocates for this community, what it looks like. A lot of times I get really paranoid on the subway because, you know, people usually like whisper or they you're supposed to be quiet on the subway. If you're not quiet on the subway, you're a very annoying person, but you're supposed to be quiet on the subway. But that can get me really, really paranoid because sometimes I think people are talking about me. So what I just do is you put on a pair of sunglasses. You put on a pair of earbuds and it was really handy during the mask mandate. Like that was handy too. So if I start talking to myself or anything like that, the sunglasses stop me from staring at somebody really because sometimes I'll just stare at a person and start talking to myself and then the earbuds. So if people see me moving my lips at all, they think of me they're on the phone or I'm singing along to words. And then the mask was handy, but we don't have the mask anymore. But I guess I could always just put on another mask. Some people seem to still do it. That was helpful with moving my lips around. So like it was really handy. And also in New York City right now, right? Everyone has AirPods in, everyone. So you walk down the street, everyone's talking. Are they on the phone? Are they talking to themselves? You can't even really tell anymore. It's very, very handy. So that's me on the subway, my little subway disguise. That's really actually helpful because anyone who is listening in, these are strategies and tips that help you feel a little bit more safe when you're in public. Absolutely. That's what I always sometimes I just pop earbuds in or pop headphones on just so if I'm talking to myself, it looks like I'm, you know, just listening to music. It's very, very handy. Like, I can't explain to you how handy that mask mandate was. It was so handy, honestly. So I'm always, you know, if I'm on the subway. I'm sunglasses and headphones all the time. One time I was running the subway and I was like, I think it was before I was diagnosed. And I guess I was cracking up at something because sometimes when I'm hallucinating, I burst into laughter. And this lady across the seat, she's like, honey, you have a Mona Lisa smile. And I'm like, 
what does that mean? She goes, it means your smile is just so genuine. You are very truly happy and happy and laughing right now. I go, oh, okay. Because I was having an episode on the train. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll take that. I'll take that, right? What's the most interesting conversation you've ever had with yourself? You know what? I usually like fight with people, honestly. It's usually an argument that I'm having. But like funny conversations I've had with myself were usually like, I'm trying to think of a funny conversation I have, but sometimes I just forget right after. So it's hard to even think about what I was thinking about. So it's difficult. It's more like arguments I've had with old coworkers and things like that. Like, and I was just like, get away from me. Stop harassing me. Get off my table. You know, like you're so annoying. Like just go away because all you do is come over here and harass me every single day. I get into detail, but you don't want to even know the detail. It's oftentimes things that you have experienced from the past that are sort of resurfacing. They resurface, but then like I go delusional and then the conversation goes into other things that don't make any sense anymore, but I'm still fighting with people. And how often would you say that you are having active delusions or hallucinations being medicated? Being medicated helps a lot, but they still happen every day. But the thing is, without medication, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. Like it would just be all day in my head, wouldn't be able to get out of bed whatsoever. With the medication, I can get out of bed. And I would say I'm at 95% cool, but like still have that 5% where it still happens. Well, and I think that's important for listeners because there's a perception that when you're on medication, it completely eliminates all hallucinations, delusions, psychosis. And that's not true. Exactly. Like, and if you want everything to go away completely, like when people say, oh, don't you just want it to go away completely? And I'm like, I already take seven medications. What do you want me to do? Yeah, because you also have to have the full spectrum of emotions in life. I mean, we don't want you to be a zombie. Right. I don't, I don't need to be over medicated like completely. I want to have a personality of some sort. I think I have a pretty big personality. You can't tame this whole thing. Come on. Like, I'm a. I hang out on the streets of New York City talking to tourists or people. And it's like, but I love it because you're colorful. You are the definition of colorful. And that's a beautiful thing. I'll take that. I'll take it. I'll take definition of colorful. That's cool. I'll own that. I'll own it. I also get told I'm very New York. And I'm like, I'm down with that one, too. Do it up. I didn't know this. Prior to you joining, like we didn't talk about being Jewesses together, but like you give Jewy energy. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Do I give Jewy energy? Not too much Jewy energy because you, you don't have the New York Jewy energy. We're digressing again, which is good. So there's New York Jew and then there's everyone else Jew. And there's a huge difference between the two. Did, did your family come on the boats to Ellis Island? They did. And both my parents are New Yorkers. Oh, I see. I see. So they probably have it then. Where in New York where are they from? So my dad grew up in Westchester. That's where I'm from. New Rochelle. That's where I'm from. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, my dad went to New Rochelle High. So did I. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, do you know Matt Siegel? Avram Siegel was a teacher, but then again, he's like, you're too young. I knew people with the last name of Siegel, but Siegel is a common Jewish last name. And then my mom grew up in Peekskill. Where did your family, when they come off the boat, where did they go? Well, my dad's side's from the Ukraine and my mom's side's from Hungary. My father's side is from the Ukraine and my mother's side is from Russia. So you're like very Russian. I thought I was Austrian and then found out I was Ukrainian. Hmm. Apparently, Austria used to be really, 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 really big. And then I found out 
that this section of Austria, where my family is from, is now Ukraine. Interesting. So yeah, I found my great-grandmother was born in Kiev. I actually feel like you look more Sephardic. You think I look more Sephardic? I do, because you have like nice olive skin color. No, I'm just sunburned. Oh, because you don't look pale like I do. You, I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> you look tan. I'm not tan. I just pop up on the street and get burnt. I'm an Ashkenazi. See my schnoz? You see my schnoz? I didn't get a Jewish nose. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. My brother didn't get one either. But listen, I got big titties. I got a big ass. That's very Jewy. I did not get big titties. That's what I did not get. I like that like you're jiggling them. So anyone who can't see what she's doing, check into the YouTube channel. She's actually jiggling her tits. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is so my grandmother, my grandmother, my mom and I was confusing my grandmother. She had Alzheimer's, right? And she's just lying in the bed because like she had Alzheimer's and this is not something bad, but like she wouldn't die, you know? And it was sad because when you have Alzheimer's, like it's like your life is just taken away from you. And she got to the point where she was just laying in bed and it was like dude like why won't she like this is horrible but she's laying in bed in a muumu and i noticed that her boobs are flat and her nipples are by her belly button and i'm like mom mom her nipples are at her belly button and she's like well that happens i go is that gonna happen to you is that gonna happen to me <laughs> I mean, I think I will have that one day. You're going to have belly button nipples? Nipples by your belly button? I've got double Ds. I mean, gravity, there's nothing you can do. Like, it's just going to happen. I, I am scared about nipples by my belly button. I like how you can like deal with psychosis all day, every day, but nipples on your belly button. No, that's too far. She can't handle it, folks. <laughs> that's too good. <laughs> Okay, so I want to segue to tangible tools. If anyone... Sorry, we're still laughing at that. Great, let's go. <laughs> so I, can handle, I can handle psychosis, but I can't handle nipples by my belly button. <laughs> you can't. Like, most people would take nipples at their belly button over psychosis any day. You know, I'm going to have to make a choice one day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Tangible tools, Michelle. Like if someone's living with schizophrenia or they have a family member or a loved one, what are skills or tools that you can invite people to use? I would say, you know, try to keep a journal. That way, if your delusions are really bugging you, you could always refer back to things that happened. I found if you start to write things down, leaving your hallucinations, that could help them go away in some sense because you've written them down. I think that's handy as well. And also, sometimes I live in New York City, just walking around the city is helpful because there's sounds everywhere, you know? So you don't really know what's a voice and what's a sound. Because sometimes I'll hear my, hear my name being yelled, but maybe it was somebody with my name. You never know. My name is Michelle, and so is five million other people. So maybe they're calling my name, maybe they're not. I just walk around, just, or, you know, surround myself with friends of mine, things like that. That's kind of like what I do to just kind of deal with it. You know, I draw a lot too. If I'm having a really busy head, like I can just like, I have like a notebook, intricate little pictures. And That's gorgeous. Not that one's not good. Like these and stuff. And this is while you're having an episode or this is just 
it's like if my head is just going bonkers with just like, just draw pictures and draw pictures and draw pictures. And then I bring them into the computer because I do graphic and web design. And I just turn them into really awesome pieces of artwork. And I have some printed on canvas behind me over here if you're watching on YouTube. And I also put them on big ones and everything. And it's really cool because I make art and um, people buy it. And it's like for an artist, for people to actually buy your art, it's like, wow. That is so cool. And if someone is a friend of someone who has schizophrenia or a family member, what do you invite them to do? Be patient. Be very, 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 very patient. Understand what their triggers are, what bothers them or anything. And just kind of work with them, let them know what reality is. If they're truly like, I get this question every day of like, you know, my son, daughter, husband, wife, grandmother, mom, blah, 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 has schizophrenia and they're not acknowledging it and they won't do anything. A lot of times I say like, you know, if it's your son or daughter, I go, how about you give them a list of things to do? And when they realize that they can't complete the list of things to do, maybe they'll realize there's a problem. That's what I say. I'm not a doctor. That's just something I think of. Because I remember back in the day, my mom would say, I want you to do these three things for me today. She told me that in the morning. By the end of the day, none of those three things were completed. Why couldn't I do them? And why didn't I notice a problem then? That's what I say to other people. I don't always answer those questions. Sometimes I just don't reply to those questions because I can't reply to every single question I get about that. That's just what I say to people, you know, give people a list, see if they complete it. And when they can't complete it, maybe they'll realize something's up. But if they can complete it, that would be very surprising. Well, I think what I'm hearing is that like, if you're struggling with schizophrenia, it would be very challenging to complete that list. So it allows you to be compassionate to really understand the struggles that are interfering with the ability to complete it. Right. I remember being younger and my mom was like, okay, I want you to clean your room today. She would tell me that at 10 a.m. She'd leave, come back later in the day. My room wasn't clean. She'd be like, why didn't you clean your room? I go, you've been yelling at me all day. She's like, I didn't yell at you all day. I go, no, you've just been yelling at me all day to clean my room. She goes, I haven't seen you in hours. What are you talking about? Because like in my head, I just kept hearing, clean your room, clean your room. You've got to clean your room all day. You've got to clean your room. And it was like in my head going around and around and around and around. And I just couldn't do anything. It was like, I can't clean my room because I, I thought my mom was like, the cause of all the problems. I didn't think I had a problem. I thought she was causing problems. So I didn't want to do anything for her that I thought would be nice for her because I'm like, she's trying to hurt me when really she was the one who was trying to help me. So it was like, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. She keeps yelling at me. No, I can't clean this room. I think it's inviting people to be compassionate. There's so much chaos in your mind or in other people's minds. And we don't really understand that chaos we don't really understand the limitations that that chaos can cause. And on that note, if you feel like this episode was helpful, I want you to share it with other people. Education around schizophrenia is imperative because of all of the misperceptions and just lack of education. I hope that you will share it. And I hope that everyone laughed. I mean, our tangents were fucking great. Like, who doesn't want to talk about belly button nips? If you are a woman, watch out one day. Should that be my new advocacy, belly button nipples? I think you should have a hat that has like a very droopy nipple, like two boobs that are like very droopy. And then it just says schizophrenia. (gasps) All right. Well, we are sending all the love and compassion and nipples to the world. (laughs) And (laughs) we'll catch everyone later. (laughs) 